the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. At the heart of any Christian relationship is love, loving our brother, next on Times of Refreshing. Obedience and duty, they mean nothing if they're not centered around love. And here today on Times of Refreshing, we get a clear picture of that out of John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Message called Loving My Brother. And really, at the heart of our Christian faith is just that, the love we have for one another. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Please join us for today's edition of Times of Refreshing as we examine this issue together. From the well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California, our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, with today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing. It says, so when he had gone out, it says, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. He says, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him I like this he says immediately he says little children I shall be with you a little longer you will seek me and as I said to the Jews where I'm going you cannot come so now I say to you he says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another As I have loved you, he says, that you also love one another. I want to read that again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's powerful. Now, Jesus is saying that we ought to, that the disciples ought to love each other the same way that Jesus loved them. That's what he says. Then he says, that you also love one another. But this is the key right here. He says, by this... All will know that you are my disciples. He says, if. Somebody say, if. He says, if you have love. Then he says, for one another. Now, this is important, saints, because, like I said, as I've been in my prior time before the Lord, and as I have been just looking at what I see going on in Christianity, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's times and moments when we, and especially now, we're, there's such a focus on loving God. Everybody's talking about how much we, we ought to love God. And obviously, there's no way, and we're going to see this in the Scripture, that you can possibly love God and then not also love God's people. And I love this because we want our, the cross, it, it points up, but then it spreads abroad. So we want to make sure that our love with God 
is intact. Our love for God is passionate, that, that we are obedient in our love, that we were seeking God uh, diligently. And it is a constant focus in our minds that, Lord, I want to know who you are. I want to fall in love with you. I want to get to know you. I want to be intimate with you on a day-to-day basis. I don't want you just to be in my prayer closet. I want to take you to my job. I want to take you shopping with me. I want to take you in the cruise. I want to take you when I go to the Magic Mountain. I want to take you. Can I have an amen? Wherever I go, I just want you to be there. Will you just be there with me, Lord, all the time? Does anybody else in the room feel like that? When I'm out there coaching my little kids, Lord, I want you to be out here with me. So maybe we can win some more games. I'm just playing. Now, we did win yesterday, so I'm kind of happy about that. But I won't blame that on the Lord. But listen, saints, you want God to be with you everywhere. But what happens sometimes is in the midst of our quest to fall in love with God, we refuse to realize that God has commanded us to fall in love with each other. And even me saying that for some people is hard. But realize, Jesus says here, Jesus says in verse 35, he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, disciplined followers of Jesus Christ. He says, if you have love, and then he says, he didn't say for God. He didn't say, all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love for me. He says, everybody else is going to benefit with, from your relationship with me, and they're going to know that you're truly a follower of me. He says, if you have love for one another. And sometimes in Christianity, sometimes when we're going to church, sometimes when we're, you know, involved in life, um, you'll find that a lot of people, they love God, but they don't like God's people very much. And I'm going to tell you this, because some sheep can bite. I've got bitten a few times. And sometimes it's hard, and we understand that. But, but, the, but the reality is, is that we cannot, and we're going to see this, we cannot say that we love God if we don't have love for one another. Jesus said this, Greater love have no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. One of the greatest expressions of you having love for someone is your willingness to give of yourself and to lay down your life for them. To prefer them over, the, over yourself. Love is a decision that becomes a feeling. This is what I just said. Love, it first starts off, because you've got to remember, Jesus commands this. We're going to see that. He commands it. So we have to make a decision to be obedient, to be willing to give of ourselves, to lay down our lives. And love starts off as a decision. I'm going to love this person. And then the feelings begin to flow. Because ultimately, you can't love somebody the way that they should be loved without God pouring his love down in your heart. But if you're not willing to take the step to even go to love them, then how can God or why would God pour his love into your heart? So it starts off with a decision similar to forgiveness starts off with a decision and then God begins to pour his love down in your heart to cause us to fulfill his command none of us can fulfill his commands without his empowering influence when it comes to love it's the same way I need to love my brother and the way that I do it is I make a decision that God I'm going to love this person 
with my heart. I'm willing to lay down my life and to be a blessing to them. And as I begin to make that decision, God says, that's what I need. I need your agreement. I need your will to be involved in partnering with me to do what I'm asking you to do. And, and we see this. You see this sometimes when you're talking to people about forgiveness or even love. I'll never, I'll never forgive them. Well, then you're not going to get very far with God. Your will has to come into subjection to what you know is right. And then God begins to kick in. And so here Jesus says that this is the greatest expression and sign of discipleship. And people are going to be drawn to you on that basis. When they see you not just loving God, but when you love who? He says one another. This is what he says. Now, love, and I, you know in this church, I do not teach sloppy agape. Love is knowledgeable. Love is not blind. Lust is blind. You love people on purpose. You know what I mean? People, people, and this is the thing. A lot of times people confuse lust with love. Not realizing love is knowledgeable, is detailed, is specific. And I love this. And I love this because Apostle Paul talked about this, that it's a matter of wisdom and it's a matter of knowledge when you're choosing. But what happens is lust is just blind. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And so <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. But what happens is, but what happened was when you look here, <laughs> saints, understand that we're, we're loving on purpose. We're loving because we make it, we're making a decision to do so. And God, he supplies the power and strength that we need to get it done. And uh, it's key. Go to Romans chapter 12. I want you to see this. This is key. This is key. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Here, Apostle Paul, once again, he's dealing with the church at Rome. He's, he's given them clear insight into uh, how to lo- live, how to use their, their gifts um, spiritual gifts and natural talents and abilities. And then in verse 9, he steps down and he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. He says, Abhor what is evil. He says, Cling to what is good. Look at verse 10. He says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. He says, In honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. He says, distributing to the needs of the saints. And I like this, he says, given to hospitality. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Amen. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. And this is, in, this is interesting because it's, it's the same way. A lot, a lot of times, I mean, yeah, you know, a hypocrite is someone who externally, who basically is an actor. Someone who externally is looking apart, but internally, they're not, um, they're not what they're supposed to be. And sometimes in church, it can be this way. You know, one of the things that I want to try to break even over this house is people come into church just to try to find their purpose or their ministry or their to do saints understand i want to say this to you in the midst of you falling in love with god 
and falling in love with people, you're just going to run into all that stuff. If we don't get the first work right, then what happens is we'll gather for the wrong reasons. And now we're here to fulfill my agenda and my purpose and what I'm. And if that means that I have to step on somebody else to get my done, then I'm willing to do that. Well, that's not true, authentic Christianity. In fact, Jesus had to deal with that in his own ministry. The disciples arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to sit on the right hand. Who, who's, who's the best? And we do this in the church sometimes. Who's the best singer around here? Who's the best usher? I can ush better than you. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling the truth. Who's the best preacher? And then we do it. Oh, you know, such and such is not preaching today. Oh, you know, my favorite preacher is such and such in the church. You come to church today, who's preaching? Wow, wow. But that's why who's preaching today? Pastor preaching today? I don't tell y'all nothing. I just show up. You don't know. I'm like the Holy Ghost. Woo, I'm here. Somebody, you need to put your schedule on the, on the website. We can see. No. It's not right, saints. It's not right. Hypocrisy, what we want to do is we don't want to fake it. And we don't want to have a church that has that type of dynamic. And even when it comes to love, we want to make sure that it's love without hypocrisy. It's true. It's authentic. It's pure. It's the love of God. It's balanced. It's knowledgeable. It's discerning. It's, it tells you when you're wrong, when you need to know when you're wrong. It tells you when you're right, when you need to know you're right. That's what true love is all about. It's not about just my purpose or what I want being fulfilled. And that means also sometimes in church, we're all, all of us are going to feel uncomfortable because God is dealing with us in this area of love and he wants it to be without hypocrisy. He says, abhor what is evil. He says, cling to what is good. And then he says this, he says, be kindly affectionate. Kindly affectionate is one word in the Greek and it means to have natural family love or tender affection. Now, I clearly understand that not everybody in this room has had great natural family love. That some of us were raised in tough situations where we didn't experience the love of God in our homes. We don't know what that really looks like. We're still trying to discover it even as we're walking in God and trying to enjoy our relationship with God. I clearly understand that. But that is no excuse for us to allow God through the power of his word and the presence of his Holy Spirit to instruct us and to break up the fallow ground of our heart so that the love of God can truly flow in our homes, in our marriages, in our churches, in our communities. Amen. And so it and I mean and I also understand that that means that there's a level of trust that needs to be gained between the church and and people and even sometimes with God because people have been hurt in their lives. But at the end of the day, God's goal is for us to have love and tender affection for one another. That when you see your brother or sister in Christ, there's something in you that says, Lord, I thank you for this person. And there's, there's truly an affection because you've made a decision to love. The affection begins to come. And God does it not only for in the church, but also in our homes. Amen. This is what should happen. But I like this because, and I underline this, natural. It should just be natural. Supernaturally natural. 
because of our relationship with God that this begins to transpire within a local church. And not just our church, but for our brothers and sisters in the community that know Christ and that love Christ. Apostle Paul is telling them, be kindly affectionate. Look at verse 10, to one another with brotherly love. Then he says, in honor, giving preference to who? To one another. How can I prop this person up? A lot of people, out of their own insecurity, have a hard time seeing somebody else go up the ladder before them. Why are they holding me back? If God, if, listen, if God wants to move you up, there's nothing no one can do. Just chill out. Maybe God's holding you back. If you, if you, if you know, if you're chomping out the bit, you might not be ready for the race yet. Can I have an amen? I'm telling you what my pastor, Pastor James Davis, years ago told me. Said that. I'm chomping at the bit. I'm ready. I can preach. I'll prophesy. I'll cast out devils. I'll heal the sick. I'll walk on water. I'll do everything. Ah! Now cut me loose. I'm ready to go. I've been saved one year. I don't even know what the book of Leviticus is yet. He said, boy, you better sit down right there and listen to what I got to say. He showed up dead. And then I said, bah, bah, bah. I went out there a couple of times. The devil whooped me a couple of times. I was like, oh, I need to sit down here. <laughs> I'm trying to cast out devils. I'm bah! the devil tearing me up. So I, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm serious. That actually happened. I'm not playing. I, I went to a service. Somebody asked me to speak in the service. And I'm telling you, a demon manifested. I said, I got him. I'm ready. Everybody clear out. And I'm, you asked my wife, man, I sat there. I'm sweating. And I said, the service is over. That demon still didn't come out. <laughs> and I thought about that. I think about Pastor Davis. He said, sit down and learn, son. I'm just yelling at the devil, come out now! I said, come out! The devil's like, I'm not, well, I'm not listening to you. You don't even know what the book of Leviticus is. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> why do I tell on myself all the time? I just, no, but let me say this to you. All of us have spiritual authority. All of us have power. We have the strength of God. But all of us need to be taught and learn and be instructed, amen, in the things of God. And we have to learn that it's not a matter of someone else holding us back. But we have to learn, first and foremost, to honor other people and give preference to them above ourselves so that the church doesn't just come up, be, become about us. We be tr- begin to truly walk in love and it's about how can I bless somebody else and how can I push somebody else and cause them to appear great instead of myself. He says in verse 11, not lagging in diligence. He says, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. He says, patient in tribulation. This is one of the things that I, I'm learning. Even through our building project and things that go on, sometimes you have things, we have to learn to be patient through tribulation. There's times when we have to learn to be patient, not panic, but be patient. Amen? He says, continuing steadfastly, he says, in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, and this becomes a lifestyle. He's instructing this church, but it's about us 
first becoming kindly affectionate to one another, learning to love with brotherly love, getting lust out of our hearts and learning to love with brotherly love. All of us, God wants this for our lives. And you know what? This kind of atmosphere, it can become contagious and it can spread. And you can provoke someone to live this kind of lifestyle through your diligence and your commitment to choosing to love not only just God, but to love one another. Watch this. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 on down to 25. Look at this. He says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water of the word of God. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now look at verse 24. He says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhort one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. We talked about the day on, uh, on Wednesday night Bible study. But I love what he says in verse 24. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And I think <clears throat> this is something that we need to do, that we can do by the power of God. We can stir up. And as we consider one another, we should consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Love and good works can be stirred up within a local church. It can cause others to be affected. And I think this is something that has to happen. When we get into the church, it becomes about glorifying God, being a blessing to someone else. It becomes contagious and it begins to create a stir within the house that people are laying down their lives to be a blessing and a benefit to someone else. They're choosing to love someone and then now they're, they're, they're um, affectionate towards them, affectionately uh, caring for people. And it just becomes a lifestyle and a culture within a local church. All of us should desire this. How are you and I stirring up other people to love and good works. And to do good works. Think about it. What is it about my life that would stir up love and cause good works to begin to spring forth in their lives? We have to think about this. And I, I'm not just talking about how we're stirring people up to prophesy. Because we want to stir people up to, to, for the prophetic. We want to stir people up for world missions. We want to stir people up. For to do a lot of things. But I want to stir people up in this church. When they see their brother or sister coming to the church on Sunday morning. That their heart warms and they say. Man I'm so glad to see you today. How you doing? What's going on in your life? How was your week? Did you have a good week? You need to pray about something? See, a lot of times we, our first thought is, you know, how can I get a, how can I, I can't wait till they get to the altar so I can lay hands on them. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you see the person there, you have a kindly, you're kindly affectionate towards them because you're happy just to see them. Can I have an amen? That the ushers, when they see people coming in, their thought is, man, I'm so happy to see you. Not, man, we don't have enough seats and I got to move somebody. And now I got to, now I got to make somebody mad because they're trying to worship. And then I got to move them out of the way. And you know, I love the ushers in the church. The ushers can ush really good in this church. But I'm just saying that when the children, now watch that, when the children come to the children's church and we're almost at capacity. And you're serving in the children's ministry. And you don't really want to have another kid come. <laughs> because you're trying to deal with the ten that are already there. But something in you says, I don't care about how I feel. Because I love these kids. And they're a blessing. And I get a chance to pour into them. And love on them. And teach them about the love of Christ. And, and it stirs something up in the atmosphere. And it, and it creates something here. When everybody sees everyone doing this, it just, it just sets the temple for God coming in and doing what he wants to do in a house. Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, Learn more about us and drop us an email, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.